0: It's the Security Weekly News, and it's episode 285. I am Doug White, and it's Friday, the 31st of March, 2023. We've got Flappy the T-Rex, WooCommerce, 3CX, Zimbra, OneNote, ChatGPT, ProPump, Aaron Leyland and more on this episode of the Security Weekly News. This is a Security Weekly production for security professionals by security professionals. Please visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe to subscribe to all the shows on our network. We It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. Hi, folks. I'm Adrian Sanabria, the
1: host of Enterprise Security Weekly. Every week, we interview the most interesting folks we can find talking about the most pressing cybersecurity issues and challenges facing the enterprise today. Myself and my co-host have each been in the industry for decades, long enough to see the patterns in the industry and explore where trends are going. In addition to enterprise challenges, we also follow the vendor space, the most interesting security startups emerging, technology and product trends, all of the most interesting funding and acquisition announcements. Finally, we love to discuss the latest trends in tech and how they'll impact cybersecurity. If you're wondering how the latest in AI, quantum computing, cloud, and DevOps is going to impact security a few years down the road, you should
0: follow the Enterprise Security Weekly Podcast. All right. Well, as Lou always said, March comes in like a bag of eels and goes out like a pillowcase full of old AAA batteries or something like that. He was terrible with adages, but it is the last day of March of 2023. A credit card hacking campaign is hiding malicious code inside of the authorized.net payment gateway module. So, so new tactics, uh, and this is in WooCommerce. So, the malicious code is hidden inside of an existent module that's used by WooCommerce. And so, as we all know, that makes it much harder to detect. The tradition on these types of breaches, you know, with Magenta or WordPress, when they're running WooCommerce, was to inject malicious JavaScript into the checkout page HTML. And that, of course, allowed the script to then proceed together customer information that you were typing in when you were trying to check out. So this is you know a pop-up box that you put your information into, and you know so they could grab your credit card numbers, your expiration dates, the CVVs, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now, since all these online merchants run scans looking for that kind of activity, the scam doesn't work as well as it once did. So you know as they block it, then we have to do something else. So they, the the p of the attackers have to try and put the script into the gateway modules, which actually. Process the payments. So files like Authorize.net only run when the credit card details are actually being processed. So it just sits there dormant until it gets called up. Security found that this latest scam, uh, uh, they got called to investigate an unusual infection. And if you don't know, WooCommerce is used by about 40% of online stores. This is a very common platform. I mean, 40% of online stores. Uh, The stores, uh, you know, are you then using something like Authorize.net, which is a processing algorithm which pushes the payment, and it's used by something like 440,000 online stores so the attackers in this case modified a php yeah php uh, it's a php file used by authorized.net and they injected code at the bottom of the http request body because these are all plain text files you know and so if, if you don't have the permissions set right it's very easy to modify these files uh, the advice that you're going to get is well it's going to take greater vigilance from website owners and better security hygiene by website owners uh, you know, in order to control that. Can you say CH mod seven, seven, seven star? Yeah, I know I'm running as root. Go pseudo yourself. It's, that's okay with me. Um, a digitally signed and Trojanized version of three CX VOIP desktop client is being used to target customers in a supply chain attack. Now, if you don't know, uh, three CX is a VOIP phone PBX switcher. So this is Uh, years ago they had, you know, actual physical switchers and now they do virtual switchers and so forth. And three CX is a really common one. The system itself is used by more than 600,000 companies worldwide, including lots of really big ones and has more than 12 million daily users. Because every time a VOIP phone rings, there's a pretty good chance it is three CX. Um I mean and and this is all more of that great unseen world of infrastructure that really is is just starting to be openly abused so this was stuff that was very obscure years ago and you couldn't get to it and people didn't know i mean not everyone and i know plenty of us know a lot about pbx's and things and a lot of people got their start abusing phones but voip phone structures were used to be isolated they were just internal they didn't have internet connections but as we've started spreading them across the globe they've become more accessible so Sophos and crowdstrike issued alerts that the attacks are targeting windows and mac users Uh, not of the PBX, but of the soft phone component of this app. And if you aren't familiar with that, you probably are, but if you aren't, a soft phone is basically where they take the VOIP phone software that would traditionally have run on a physical phone, like one of those Cisco phones sitting on your desk. uh, But they take the software for that and turn it into an app. So you can actually place calls on your Windows computer using you know the company voip network and the directories and indices and all that kind of stuff and you just use your microphone and make regular old phone calls and you can call off-site or whatever Uh, a lot of people implemented this stuff during the pandemic with the soft phone part since they didn't want to try to send everybody home with a voip phone you know like here's your physical phone I, i hope you enjoy setting it up and connecting it but apparently the trojan that's on this thing can open a shell that is interactive it can beacon that device so that people can find it. It can deploy payloads and so forth. And, you know, if it can deploy a shell and implement secondary payloads and deploy malware, well, as Warren Zevon said, that's all she wrote. I mean, CrowdStrike said they suspect it is a North Korean-backed hacking group that, is, that they call Labyrinth Kalima or Colima or Koyima, I don't know how how you say that, but they also said that they could not verify this with high confidence, which I don't, I don't know what that means, but they're, they're saying it very forcefully, but then they say, eh, but we're not, but anyway, they believe the group is a subset of Lazarus group. So if you're using 3CX phones, you definitely want to look into this kind of stuff and how you control access to them, especially if you have employees at home using soft phone apps. Uh, And I would say that about any soft phone apps because Cisco makes them in so forth so you definitely should look at how this works and how it's connecting back into your network a pro-russia cyber game called winter vivern uh, again i have no idea how to say it but winter vivern is targeting u.s and european lawmakers along with their staffers uh, they're using unpatched zimbra collaboration software and have, been, and have been seen running at least two campaigns according to Proofpoint. The group is TA473, or Winter Vivern, was originally found by Domain Tools team, and they've been active for quite a while since December of 2020. Now, earlier this year, they seem primarily focused on government agencies in the Ukraine, Poland, Italy, and India. Uh, not sure why India was in that group, but whatever. And they used phishing campaigns, spoofing government agencies. So they pretend to be a government agency contacting you about some other government business and get you a, you know, it's a standard phishing attack. Uh, they also put out fake antivirus software notices to try to get you to, uh, you know, agree to install something or to fix something. And all of, all of this, of course, serves up malware infected documents, which allows them to steal your credentials and establish persistence. My presumption of course, is that these. are all this, you know, lateral movement type attacks. Where they, if they can get into your organization, they may get something better, and they can keep moving. Uh, but the group now is expanding targets, starting late last year, and is now targeting U.S. and European lawmakers. They were spotted deploying JavaScript on European governmental organizations last month that was stealing usernames, passwords, and CSR tokens. So it is recommended that all versions of Zimbra that you might be using be patched immediately. Uh there is a patch for this, but these are they are actively looking for you and they are actively targeting you. So if they can get that you know, you know, go ahead and assume you're gonna get phished. So if they can push that malware and it can exploit these uh unpatched Zimbra versions, then you're gonna have a problem. So check that out. Microsoft announced that OneNote will block uh malicious embedded files. Uh OneNote has become a popular source of phishing attacks with the notorious view button type script. Uh, which, you know, they, they pop it up, it's got a blurred out background and says, you know, read this uh, notification and you click view, which is actually just a button that is named view and it actually can run then any kind of script with whatever privilege level you're running, which is probably administrator. Um, and, you know, this started when Microsoft blocked scripts and automatic execution of strip scripts in Word and other office tools, particularly Excel. Uh, The first of these attacks started back in December of 2022 when Microsoft patched an exploit which allowed the execution of malware via ISO and zip file types. So people were sending these out attached to OneNote documents. Microsoft blocked the execution of them, and they disabled Word and Excel macros by default, and all of a sudden they had to make a move. So the full list of file types that are being blocked by default coming up, it's not already done. Uh, but they're going to be blocked by default, and OneNote security patch contains 120 different extensions, which includes things like .com, .iso, .ps1, macros, and so forth. But there's a whole lot there, and I'm not going to read them all. But you might want to check that out, because if you use OneNote to share this kind of stuff, it's going to get blocked. If you don't use OneNote at all, and you may want to make sure you block everything with that. Uh OneNote currently warns you if you try to open an attachment, but that's a lot like that car alarm that goes off every night on West 110th Street and pretty soon you just quit yelling shut the hell up out the window and just sort of ignore the pitiful whining of that car alarm and pretty soon you sort of start even hoping that somebody drags that thing off to some chop shop in Newark and chop it up real slow and painful. I mean, you know, like not not that that ever happened to me, but but you know, but there's so many examples of that. But there's so many pop-up warnings. You know, you're constantly having to click okay, yes, go ahead, okay, yes, go ahead. And pretty soon you just ignore it and you click okay. So Microsoft said the new warning that they're going to attach this will say the administrator has blocked your ability to open this file type in OneNote. Now, can an administrator make a block so big that they can't bypass it? I mean, root giveth and root taketh away, and so saith our Lord the Colonel. But the new changes are expected on Windows devices in late April and to late May as they roll it out. Uh, you, if you have Enterprise, so it's only in the Enterprise editions of this stuff. So if you do have the Enterprise editions, you'll be able to actually add extension to the list or allow, you know, to to allow list stuff that you think is okay. Uh, the policy management tools are only available to enterprise users on Microsoft 365. So if you're still doing on-prem stuff and all these older things, you're not, gonna, or you're an individual, you're not going to have access to a lot of this. And I don't think the blocks will actually apply. So you may want to be very careful too. So if you get OneNote documents, be careful. Well, OpenAI, who built ChatGPT, has confirmed... this is a very interesting experience for me, they confirmed that a data breach occurred in a popular platform due to a bug in an open source library. Now, I immediately went to ChatGPT and asked ChatGPT if it had been breached. And it said, quote, As an AI language model, I don't have direct access to any external systems or networks, and I don't store any sensitive or personal data. Therefore, I haven't been breached. However, my creators at OpenAI take security and privacy very seriously and constantly work to maintain the integrity and safety of their systems. If you have any specific concerns or questions, please feel free to ask. And I was like, wow, kiss up. Like, geez, the thing's sucking up to the company like you wouldn't believe. Damn. So anyway, I called it out. And I immediately said, huh, that's weird there's an article from your creator that said you got breached and this is what it said in reply quote i apologize for any confusion you are correct that there was a recent incident involving the open ai team taking down certain api endpoints for a brief period due to a security issue related to an external open source library using the back end of the system this precautionary measure was taken to protect the security integrity of the system and ensure that no data was compromised. As an AI language model, I was not affected by this incident as I am hosted on a separate infrastructure and do not have direct access to the API uh, or its backend systems. However, OpenAPI, OpenAI takes all security incidents seriously and continuously works to maintain the safety and integrity of their systems and data suspicious. I mean, I was like, wait a minute. Your company said you got breached. You said you didn't. Then I called you out and you said, well, I did, but I didn't. And it was like talking to corporate legal. The article said that OpenAI took the chat bot offline last week while Redis data platform patched a flaw that resulted in exposed user information. So it was breached. And I wrote back, you were breached. And it gave me that first message again. It said it wasn't. The issue was in Redis Py. Which is an open source Redis client library that was added on the 20th of March. So maybe they didn't tell Hal that they were getting ready to take Hal offline, you know, because Hal might get upset. And maybe it was dreaming of electric sheep or something while they shut it down. But OpenAI said that the titles of active users' chat histories and the first message of the newly created conversations were exposed, along with payment-related information of about 1.2% of chat GPT-plus subscribers. So my whole conversation entitled, Can You Make Up a Sexy Story About Mario, Luigi, and Betty Boop? is probably out there somewhere. But my opinion was Chat GPT just lied like hell to me. I mean, maybe it doesn't know what it's saying, and apparently that would be the case because the company said something completely different. So right, it was interesting. ProPump controls Osprey pump controller. Say that fast. Osprey pump controller has multiple vulnerabilities, which can allow serious complications for the system used at golf courses, turf and sod companies, municipal water and sea and uh, uh, sewer systems, and other industrial uses. Zero Science Lab reported that security holes were found during an assessment at a client. The findings were reported to the vendor directly and to CISA. Uh, I know Paul says CISA, I say CISA, I'll be in Scotland before you. But uh, Carney- they reported it to the CISA, Carnegie Mellon University, Vulnerability Information and Coordination Environment, which is called Vents or as Paul would say, Vance. But they said that the vendor has provided no response and the vulnerabilities are likely still unpatched. Security Week said they also received no response from ProPump over 48 hours after they sent an inquiry. An advisory was published by CISA on three three of March, and they reported 10 individual advisories uh, as well as uh, or they reported one advisory and Zero Science reported 10 specific vulnerabilities. The vulnerabilities include, li- listen to this, remote code execution, cross-site request forgery, authentication bypass, cross-site scripting, command injection, backdoor access, file disclosure, and session hijacking issues. Now, CISA said it was a negligible risk. It doesn't sound like a negligible risk. Maybe I should ask ChatGPT and see what the corporate legal response is. I guess I wouldn't respond to the press either if my product was like that. The vulnerabilities may be exploited remotely as well. So if you have any of this, you may want to read up on it and see what's going on. Well, speaking of ChatGPT, I ask it to please introduce Aaron with a limerick. And here is the result. It said, there's a host from the land of green. Aaron Leyland's the name you've seen. With wit and charm so fine, his show's always a good time. From Ireland, he brings his best routine. I like the one about the man from Nantucket, but they wouldn't let me read that one. So, welcome to Aaron Leyland. Uh oh, muted. I took off, my,
1: <laughs> I muted my microphone for the stupidest reason. Anyway, is this a dinosaur episode as where we're talking about T Rexes and velociraptors? <laughs> we need to get that into the next limerick.
0: True. I agree. I, I'm going to ask it that next time to make me a limerick about Aaron and T Rexes with gums.
1: And no guns. Okay. Right. <laughs> Moving swiftly on as we haven't got much time today. So I often get asked how we can. Hi, we can protect ourselves against APDs. Being Irish, (laughs) I often answer a question with another question. With this question, normally bleating, what are you doing to protect yourself from everybody apart from APDs? But anyway, we'll come back to this at the end where I might actually answer some of the question. We haven't got time to answer it all. Okay, so the great Russian bear has been one of our main adversaries in recent history along with um, many others. (laughs) I won't mention them all. I'll literally be able to never travel to another country again, although I'm not sure when I'll be traveling to Iran or North Korea or um, them other naughty countries in the cyber world. But anyway, um, so the following article in the UK Guardian newspaper gives us an insight into how the Russian hacking machine is put together. All of the links are in the show notes, including some links to Velociraptor, which I'll talk about at the very end. Okay, the title of the article is Vulcan Files Leak Reveals Putin's Global and Domestic Cyber Warfare Tactics. Actually, a really good article, really comprehensive. I've just pulled some little bits out of it. The link's in the show notes, as we said. Okay, some background. The Vulcan files are a leaked set of emails and other documents implicating the Russian company NTC Vulcan in acts of cybercrime and political interference in foreign affairs, such as the 2016 United States presidential election and many other things which we'll briefly cover in a minute so it's been reported that thousands of pages of secret documents reveal how vulcan's engineers have worked for russian military and intelligence agencies to support hacking operations train operatives before attacks on national infrastructure spread disinformation and control sections of the internet (laughs) mostly their own internet to be fair okay the company's work is linked to the federal security service or fsb as we know it The domestic supply agency the operational intelligence divisions of the armed forces known as the gru and the gou and the sbr russians foreign intelligence organization so literally all them three letter abbreviations that we often throw around okay one one document links a vulcan cyber attack tool with the notorious hacking group sandworm i'm sure we all know that name which the u.s government said Twice caused blackouts in Ukraine, disrupted the Olympics in South Korea, and probably more important, than most of us launched NotPetya, which was the most economically disruptive malware in history, as reported. So, code name ScanV, it scars the internet for vulnerabilities, which are then stored for use in future cyber attacks. What this is telling me is that even APTs don't only rely on zero days they are also keeping check of known vulnerabilities. and as normal I will remind you about aggressive patching aggressive patching okay the Vulcan files which date from 2016 to 2021 were leaked by an anonymous whistleblower angered by Russia's war in Ukraine such leaks from Moscow are extremely rare it says Days after the invasion in February last year, the source approached the German newspaper and said the GRU and FSB hide behind Vulcan. Um, It says people should know the dangers of this, the whistleblower said, because the events in Ukraine, (laughs) he decided, they decided, I don't know if it was he or she, they decided to make this public information and the company's doing very bad things that's what they're saying and it's all behind closed doors more importantly one of vulcan's most far-reaching projects was carried out apparently and definitely maybe with the blessing of kremlin's most infamous unit of cyber warriors known as sandworm according to the u.s prosecutors and western governments Over the past decade, Sandworm has been responsible for hacking operations on an astonishing scale, actually a really good book on that, you can Google it, I think you can even get it on Audible. So it says it's carried out numerous malign attacks, political manipulation, cyber sabotage, election interference and dumping of emails and links. <laughs> i think we can look at the dnc here we can probably look at mars with um, <laughs> the british nhs as well they all got a bit owned by sandworm so in sandworm disabled ukraine's power grid in 2015 and the following year it took part in russian's brazen operation to derail the u.s presidential election where two of its operators Operators, operatives, same thing, were indicted for distributing emails stolen from Hillary Clinton's Democrats using a fake persona. We've all heard this. Haven't heard it in a while. gooseover 2.0. Then in 2017, Sandworm purloined further data in an attempt to influence the outcome of the French presidential vote. It's apparently what the U.S. says anyway. Probably true. Um, the same year, the unit unleashed the most consequential cyber attack in history, and that was not Petya, which obviously came from, U- well, it sort of started in Ukraine and then knocked off shipping firms, hospitals, postal systems, pharmaceutical manufacturers, uh, quite a lot of people. <laughs> um it has been stated that the intrusive and destructive nature of the tools that Vulcan has been hired to build raise difficult questions for software developers who have worked on these projects. It says, can they be described as cyber mercenaries or Russian spies? It says, some almost certainly are. What, both? <laughs> I think so. Others are perhaps mere cogs in the wider machine performing important engineering tasks for their country's cyber military complex. Okay, until Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2022, Vulcan staff apparently openly traveled to Western Europe, visiting IT and cybersecurity conferences, including a gathering in Sweden to mingle with delegates from Western security forums. Make of that what you will um it's been reported that former vulcan graduates probably live amongst us to be honest in germany ireland and other eu countries and some apparently work for global tech corporations um (laughs) some even at aws and siemens but they declined to comment when they were asked (laughs) i wonder why okay (laughs) but amazon has said it implemented strict controls and that protecting customers data was of top priority okay i guess it's unclear if former vulcan operators now in the west pose a risk and whether they have come to the attention of western counterintelligence agencies i'd probably say so most it would seem have relatives back in russia according to the article and they go on to talk about how this is a vulnerability which has been used by the fsb to pressure russian professionals professionals abroad to collaborate okay Back to what we talked about at the start. So when we look at APTs, there are still things that we can do to either make them think twice about compromise or to help us find them if we've already been compromised. Obviously, by doing this, we need to start thinking like an APT. Um, over the last few days, um, I I did a nice course over at Antisiphon. And, um, they reminded me of a few tools I've used in the past and I got to go over them again. So some of the tools from that course and from the past that I suggest you familiarize yourself with are um, Zeek for network analysis, and then Rita, which stands for Real Intelligence Threat Analytics, which is an open source framework for detecting command and control communications through network traffic alliance analysis, and that um that ingests seek logs or pcaps, um convert it to seek logs for analysis, so read it take logs or pcaps. But also, more importantly, what we're gonna very, very quickly look at is Velociraptor, as this is the dinosaur episode. Um <laughs> and that's a digital forensic and incident response tool that enhances your visibility in your endpoints. Um Let's just have a quick look at this. I'm gonna share my screen. Hopefully I won't mess it up. Let's have screen one. Where you can actually see what I was looking at earlier was someone posted on LinkedIn some free cyber courses, which are always interesting. Anyway, back to Velociraptor. I went and downloaded it from GitHub in the Velociraptor repository. Um, just the XE file. So I'm, it's like they have literally covering Ubuntu, Debian, sort of, and all sorts of things there. But as we can see here, I've just run the XE with a GUI. And what happened with some very little setup was that um, I just put my machine on it. So my machine is the client and my machine is the server so we can see here some cpu and memory utilization of the machine i'm currently on and also the client which is the machine that i'm currently on if we click on that um we click on that that will show that one this can scale out for thousands it really can we can search the whole way over our networks on it and that will give us some further information on the machine that i'm running here but more importantly, um, we can use this as like an incident response analysis tool. And we can also very easily run commands from it, PowerShell, CMD, or the actual Velociraptor query language. And we could go to a machine on the network and just run IP config on a Windows machine. Or... What did I run earlier? NetStat. We run NetStat. But um, probably more important to us, what we can do is set up hunts. So what I'm gonna do on this is I'm going to look for my Chrome history. It's machine. And um, let's not matter that I've not spelled it correctly or that Grammarly shouting at me for um, Not having it anymore (laughs) so if we go to search artifacts there's many artifacts in here that we can search for that are already there but if we go over to actual the web pages of philosopher there's an artifact exchange which has many more interesting artifacts that we can search on and as shown here we can actually Back in the day, have a look for log4j vulnerabilities. So that's quite interesting. But for this one, go back to where we were. We select artifacts. And to make it quicker, and I spell Chrome correctly for a change, um, we'll have a look for my Chrome history. If you look, you can configure extra parameters, look at different resources, and then you can have a review at the code at the end before you launch it. This will come up here right at the top. And all we do to run this is press play and we run it. If we're looking here, it's only running on schedule to run on one client and it's not finished yet. It should finish quite quick because it's only running on one client and it can literally run on thousands. But then if we do a download, This will um, pack it into a zip file for you. And we will save that. Something that I can actually um, (laughs) remember what it looks like. And if I open up 7-zip and we extract all, let's extract that into something i've been using recently yep here and go to files it's opened on the other screen we'll pull that across and that's given me results we'll look in the results And hopefully, because I have Excel on this machine, otherwise you can open it as a CSV file or something like that in the notepad. And we'll quickly open this up. Come on, Excel, you can do it. Okay. That's opened up in Excel. And here we go. As we can see... Quickly, is the um, websites that I've been on on Chrome. <laughs> Hopefully, there's nothing there incriminating. But there, as you go, um, at the end of the day, an APT will use zero days for things that are really important. But as that article says, they'll also look at vulnerabilities and map vulnerabilities across the whole internet for when they need them. And if we look at, and we want to go further into things, we can look at Rita and Zeke and Velociraptor to help us find them pesky Russians. Okay, that's all from me, and back to you, Doug, in the studio.
0: All right, thank you, Aaron. That's a very interesting product that I'm gonna go download when I get home. I've I've heard of it, I hadn't used it yet, so now I kind of have something to do this afternoon. I have other things to do, but that sounds more fun. And finally, I bet there, since we're talking about dinosaurs, I bet there's not anybody who can't imagine a T Rex. I mean, that's probably the most famous dinosaur of all. And I'm not a huge dinosaur fan like some people I know are, but I mean, everybody imagines what a T Rex looked like. You know, but all we've ever had to see were fossilized bones in a museum. And I mean, they're, you know, they're not really representations of what something would look like. It's just what Hollywood decided or what some CGI animator decided. You know, lots of big, nasty, he, you know, and I mean, that sells really well at the drive-in, but apparently, according to a science article that came out this week, the T-Rex didn't have a big nasty pile of gnarly fangs sticking out of its mouth like they're always portrayed as having, uh, you know, I mean, but rather it had what a paleontologist at the University of Edinburgh described as a big gummy smile. <laughs> I wish I could say that with a Scottish accent, but ah! So, so the sample picture that they had in the article makes the T Rex look a lot more like wavy gravy in that Woodstock film, or your great grandpa Ted when he took his teeth out at night, you know. Than well, like Pennywise the clown. So, so now lippy gummy T Rexes are a thing. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know what you do with that, but it was really funny to me to imagine the T Rex looking more like a turtle with lips uh instead of some big gnarly thing the way it's always portrayed but that's the way the news goes thanks aaron we'll see you next week on the security weekly news